Welcome to the brightest audience in the country. I'm Fred Williams, host of Real Science Radio. And I'm Doug McBurney, the host of the Weekly Worldview, amateur comedian and philosopher. Not necessarily in that order. It's great to be with you again, Fred. Are we going to get to quantum entanglement? We are going to get there. I promise we will get there. We're pretty good at getting off on tangents, but we enjoy our tangents, don't we, Doug? So last show we were supposed to talk about quantum entanglement to start the new year. But we had so many news items to get to. If you want to go back and listen to that show, there's a lot of cool stuff about the hydroplate theory and you know being presented to ICR and you know the population oh, yeah. bomb. We had a lot of fun with that one, that 60 minute story. And boy, we just didn't get time to get to quantum entanglement. So we are gonna do that soon, I promise. But there was one other news item that I came across that I wanted to mention to the audience. And that's from sciencenews.org. And this is titled, Brain Scans Suggest the Pandemic Prematurely Aged Teens' Brains. It's like, wow. So this article, Doug, it noted that the brains of teens who lived through the pandemic look about three years older than expected. And the finding reveals that, quote, the pandemic hasn't been bad just in terms of mental health for adolescents. And this comes from Ian Gottlieb, a clinical neuroscientist at Stanford University. He goes on to say, it seems to have altered their brains as well. Wow. And you know, Doug, we were actually at Real Science Radio at the forefront of the problems with the lockdown. And you can go back and listen to our show. It's called 25 Ways the Shutdown Kills People. And the page for that show actually shows those 25 ways that we went through. So if you don't want to listen to the show... You can at least go there and look at the ways that we said that, hey, this is really going to, the shutdown is going to kill people. And here's just more evidence of that. And Stanford actually was somewhat on board with the theme that we were pushing also. They had scientists at Stanford saying, hey, look, this shutdown you're doing is way too harmful for people. The only people who should be shutting down are those who are super vulnerable. So anyways. I I remember that some of the doctors at Stanford were some of the very first to be censored, some of the data that came out of Stanford was some of the first to be squashed. And I like that you said that, Fred. The article at sciencenews.org is titled that the pandemic prematurely aged teens, and that's not correct. It was not the pandemic that prematurely aged the brains of teenagers. It was not the pandemic that did that. It was the lockdowns. And so I'm glad you mentioned the lockdowns because... uh, A lot of people want to pass this off that the pandemic did this and the pandemic did that. But a lot of the damage, a vast amount of damage was done, not by the pandemic itself, but by the lockdown. And, you know, Fred, I've heard some other hosts and some commentators. They've kind of made fun of the kids who were examined in that study Hmm. and, you know, saying that, hey, other generations lived through World War Two and they lived through the Great Depression and they weren't as weak as these kids today, these that, you know, they call them, uh, not, not butterflies, what do they call them? Snowflakes. They kind of make fun of these kids, but I'll bet you, Fred, that if we'd have been able to test people 
back then with brain scans, if we'd have been able to test the kids back then who were living through World War II, like the kids who were living in London during the Blitz, you know, I'll bet there would have been evidence of similar traumas suffered by the kids back then. And, and we'll just have to see how this generation bucks up, you know, after their trauma. I know after all these lockdowns, Fred, I feel fairly traumatized myself. <laughs> no, I hear you, Doug. I, you know, I feel traumatized myself, but you've actually made a really good point. It's not the pandemic that did this. It's the government. Yeah, the worst right, thing the right. gov- you can ever hear from the government is I'm here to help you. That's right. And the lockdowns aren't the worst thing the government has done to the youth. You know, there's something way worse than that, Fred. And yeah, that's right. So if you think about it, the worst thing the governments have done to our youth is public schools. Yeah. Uh, You nailed it, Fred. You nailed it. The amount of damage they have done and that they are doing is enormous. I mean, Paul Ehrlich last week talking about catastrophic. This is catastrophic. And you know, the late, great Bob Enyart, he was never afraid, Fred, to say that it's a sin to send your kids to the government school. And one thing I thank God that I took Bob seriously when he said that. My wife and I took him seriously. Yeah, yeah we did I too. I thank God for that. We did too. And, you know, it's so alarming what has happened with the public schools have just so indoctrinated kids. And, you know, I was debating whether or not I should say this, and I'm just going to. You know, my wife has a group of friends that she meets uh, weekly. It's a group of roughly, you know, it could be like five to ten women. And honestly, all of their kids, so many of them, I'd say all but like one family, one or two families of the five to ten women she's with, they've all got kids that are messed up. For example, they think they're bi, you know, like this one oh, yeah. otherwise normal kid. His girlfriend says, oh, you're actually bi. And so he kind of believes it for a while. So now he declares himself as bi. And, you know, my kids that have been to college and, you know, my daughter's looking to graduate here at the end of the next semester, her roommate, she thinks that she's bi. You know, it's alarming how many kids are indoctrinated into trans gender this and that and these all these dumb pronouns it's so bad and i'm telling you it's really messed up kids because it's just amazing just across the board how psychologically damaged and perverted their minds have become it's it's astonishing the world we were in you know you're so right fred i can't tell you how many conversations i have with adult people with their kids in the government schools and they talk about how horrible the government schools are and it's this bizarre disconnect between like are you listening to what you're saying and do you understand that you should not be sending your kid there have you thought about that it's it's really strange and i think it is psychological damage yes yeah and i know that this won't be popular to some of our listeners but one of the common things you'll hear is oh but the school district that my kids are going to is the best in the area. I hear that way too much. It's still a public school. It's still a godless education. And they're still going to promote all this nonsense pronoun stuff and everything else that comes with a godless education. But some good news. I want to get to some good news and then we're going to get to quantum entanglement. This is fantastic. So before the late, great Bob Inyard's passing back in September of 2021, He had actually completed the second edition of his book, The Plot. And if you don't have this book, it needs to be on your bookshelf. It's a thorough look 
at the plot of the Bible that is just fantastic. The number of details and just the super interesting stuff that really fits. The whole picture of the entire Bible fits together, and this book puts those things together for you. And the good news is that a team of the Inyard family and and people who helped them out, they got this thing published, and it's just now been released. And you can go to rsr.org slash store, and it'll be prominently displayed, a link to the new edition. I highly encourage you to get it. And it's just another book to have on your theology shelf, and I believe it's the best account of the Bible some listeners may not agree, and that's fine. I mean, iron sharpens iron, and we we want to reason together. And Bob, like all of us, was just human. But boy, I think his insights are fantastic. I can't swear enough by this book. You need to get well, it. Well, I'll tell you, Fred, in almost 30 years of helping Bob promote the ministry, the number of people who told me that the book changed their life. It helped them understand the Bible. It helped them reconcile what they had thought were contradictions and difficulties that they had struggled with. Uh, Some people for decades, for their entire adult lives, with problems that they couldn't figure out in the New Testament. And uh, they, they told me that the plot changed all that. And so I would say it's in the top 10 theology books that should be on everyone's shelf. I'm gonna say the top two. But there's room for debate on that. But just a phenomenal, phenomenal book. And the second edition, wow, I want to get a copy myself because I haven't read through the plot in a while. And so if there's some new information, some new material, I'm all in. Yep. Okay, we're finally going to get to the topic at hand. So as many of our regular listeners are probably aware, the last few years of Bob's life, he spent a great deal of his energy and research on quantum physics. And I was kind of along for the ride, Doug. I I honestly had been a little skeptical of quantum mechanics because it just felt like to me it was more of the wisdom of the world kind of stuff that for me kind of put it on loose sand and I just didn't take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Fred, I I remember listening to the show. I would think, what what is going on with Bob? (laughs) I I, I really I I it was too big of a concept for my mind. I hadn't I hadn't really thought through much of physics, let alone quantum physics. And so, uh, yeah, it took me a while to come along on that one. Yeah, and you know, it was just through his work on this, and I started to look into it and just what he had already discovered. And I realized just how real quantum mechanics is. And and now, honestly, I can't get enough of it. I mean, I, I'm reading about it all the time. I'm watching videos on it. And, yeah, and when yeah. you get into it, too, you realize it actually is super great evidence for God and the creation. And it really, it's tearing down some paradigms in science, too. It's kind of an elephant in the room for a lot of scientists. And, and I like that because, you know, obviously the secular scientists don't like anything that point to intelligence of greater than theirs, you know, to a, <laughs> to a creator that's above them, that's who's God, you know? And right. so... This is something that I'm hoping that Real Science Radio gets into a little bit more this year. And it's not as scary a topic as people might think. At Real Science Radio, no, we no. Don't, we're not going to get into the detailed mathematical equations. And we're going to present kind of the layman's view of it. Well, there'll be some details, some hard science. But for the most part, this is stuff that people will understand. It's super fascinating what quantum yeah, mechanics it's... is revealing to us. And I can tell that you've gotten into it, Fred, because you sent me an article that you wrote 
for your local creation group. And it stuck in my mind and gave me the idea that we should really go through some of these thoughts right here on the show. Yeah, so the, the local uh, creation group, Rocky Mountain Creation Fellowship, we have a newsletter called Foundations Newsletter. And by the way, the producer and editor of this fantastic newsletter is Ed Jolman. He's on the board of Rocky Mountain Creation Fellowship. And he just does a fantastic job with this newsletter. I think it's the best newsletter for a local creation group. And you can actually get a free printed copy. If you're the type who doesn't like to get on the internet all the time, you just want to have something you can read at the, you know, at the dinner table or, you know, in breakfast in the morning, you can go to youngearth.org and sign up for this. You can also read them online. We made a recent decision at our board meeting that we're going to make all copies available online, including the most recent copies. So you can either read the copy online or just sign up for the newsletter and we'll mail it to you for free. And it's, it's so good. So, oh, hey, cool, cool. Yeah. So the newsletter, he asked me to write an article for an upcoming newsletter, and I thought, what would make a lot of sense? And I had been interested in quantum entanglement, so I thought, okay, this will be a, this is what I want to write on. And it really played in well because we had this Nobel Prize announcement back, and I think it was in November, the Nobel Prize in physics, and it went to three scientists for proving what creationists have said all along. And that's that the universe is more than just matter and energy. And so what these three Nobel laureates work involved were independent experiments that closed the final loopholes in what we've been talking about. We've been wanting to get to this phenomenon called quantum entanglement. It's what the famous physicist Erwin Schrodinger tabbed the characteristic trait of quantum mechanics. So he dubs that quantum entanglement is the biggest thing with quantum mechanics. Yeah, wow. So, Doug, I want to present a bird's-eye view of what quantum entanglement is. And yes, it, lay it on me. Help me, because it okay. sounds too big for my head, Fred. It sounds <laughs> too big for my brain. Well, again, from a bird's-eye view, it's not. It's pretty straightforward and hopefully not too difficult to grasp. So I'll do my best to attempt to explain it. So you say you start with two objects, and we'll call one object object A and the other object object B. So each of these objects have two possible states. So as an example, I'll say one is can either be red or it can be blue. So each of these okay. objects can either be red or blue. You know, perhaps the object is like a wishy-washy politician who, depending on the direction of the wind or which state he is campaigning in, is either a Democrat or a Republican. You know, okay, maybe now if, that I can relate to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like how Romney, when he was running for president, he was pro-life when he was in Utah. And then almost in an instant when he's back in Massachusetts, he's back to pro-abortion. So uh, anyways, yeah. let's say through a subatomic interaction, and don't worry about the details of that, object A becomes entangled with object B. So what this entanglement does is link the objects as a system. So now imagine the two politicians, object A and object B, must now in their entangled state always be diametrically opposed on all issues because they're entangled. They're going to have the mirror effect, a mirror view of the other. So you could call this maybe the conservation of public policy. But in the quantum <laughs> world, it's really the particles are obeying the conservation of matter and energy and angular momentum, things like that. So in their entangled state, whenever object A is red or the politician object A is red, object B will always be blue and vice versa, 100% of the time. Okay, okay. So 
If object A votes for lower taxes, object B is 100% guaranteed to vote against lower taxes, right? Yeah, yes. And, and if object A is observed to be dancing on his left foot, at the same exact moment in time, object B is 100% guaranteed to be dancing on his right foot. Is that a good analogy? That that actually is. There you go. So now here's where spooky at a distance, and this is a phrase coined by Albert Einstein, comes into play. So Albert spooky. Einstein did not like oh. this stuff because, and we'll get to why Albert Einstein was a critic of quantum mechanics. If you separate object A from object B by any length, even the length of the entire universe, you get this same behavior. So object A's observed behavior is always instantaneously reciprocal of object B's observed behavior. So it doesn't matter how far apart these politicians are. If one is on one side of the universe and the other politician is on the other side of the universe and one politician believes something about taxes, it's 100% guaranteed the politician on the other side of the universe is going to believe the exact opposite. It happens mm -hmm. every time. And okay. Einstein, Doug, he was actually a fully committed materialist. That's why the world loves Einstein. And they just push Einstein, push, push, push. Oh, and yeah. how great he was. And he was a brilliant man. But he definitely was wrong on quantum mechanics, and we're going to get into that. And that's why these guys who won the Nobel Prize said that, that he was wrong. Anyways, he refused to accept this behavior as real. And that's why he, he went to his deathbed denying it and why he called it spooky behavior. Yeah, because spooky doesn't sound like a very scientific term. It, it isn't, of course. You know, that you get, yeah. Einstein tried to solve this problem to fit into his paradigm of a materialist worldview. So he's like, how do I explain how you can have this phenomenon with two particles that are separated across the universe because he believes that nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. Yet, obviously, from the experiments, one object, object A, politician A, is exactly the opposite of politician B on the other side of the universe. So somehow there's some kind of communication that exceeds right. the speed of light. So what Einstein did was he's like, oh, I got a way to describe this. I got a way to explain this away. And what he did was... He believed there were hidden variables within the two objects. So then when they were together, when they became entangled and they're next to each other, that they had hidden variables that would inform themselves of what the other was going to be like in all situations. So that when you separated these two variables, these two objects, there was already information within the objects to tell the object how to behave. Mm, so that's, okay. Einstein wrote a paper on that with a couple other guys. Well, about two decades later, in the early 60s, a physicist named John Bell, he came up with a way to test this idea of hidden variables. And his tests show that these hidden variables did not exist. Mm -hmm. But scientists were like, well, there's loopholes in his test. There's ways where his test could be wrong. So this is what led to the work of these three Nobel Prize winners. So really over the course of like half of a century, like over 50 years through a lot of independent tests, they ultimately proved that these loopholes did not exist and they were all closed. And Einstein was once and for all overwhelmingly and indisputably proven wrong regarding entanglement and quantum mechanics. 
Right, right, Fred. I, I even have a quote from one of the Nobel laureates, one of the most recent winners. He said, quote, I was very sad to see that my own experiment had proven Einstein wrong. That's 2022 physics laureate John Clauser. Yes, indeed. And so quantum entanglement, where he is saying Einstein is wrong, was with quantum entanglement, the thing we're talking about, and quantum mechanics in general. Because again, as Schrodinger said, it's really the heart of quantum mechanics is quantum entanglement. So what quantum entanglement does, Doug, is it plays right into the hands of the creationist worldview. And that's the elephant in the room. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it when that happens, Fred. (laughs) Well, I'll quote Quanta Magazine. And that magazine's cool. I, I love that thing. And they say this. And it's a secular magazine, but they're reporting honestly on quantum mechanics. And this is a quote from that magazine. Their experiments, and this is referring to the Nobel Prize winner's experiments, and these are all three independent people with independent experiments. Quantum Magazine says their experiments collectively established the existence of a bizarre quantum phenomenon known as entanglement, where two widely separated particles appear to share information despite having no conceivable way of communicating. Whoa, whoa. Hey, there's another scientific word there, Fred. Bizarre. Yeah. It's yep. a bizarre quantum. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. It is. And the key here is that they note that they share information. Yeah. So then there's physicist Terence Rudolph at Imperial College London. He admitted to Nature Magazine. Now, Doug, Nature Magazine is not a creationist magazine. It's not the Answers no. Journal. It's this, <laughs> probably the most popular secular science magazine, Nature Magazine. He admitted to them that entanglement, quote, shows that in quantum mechanics, at least, some things transcend space and time. Whoa. Wow. So in 2017, the website BigThink advanced that the basis of the universe may not be energy or matter, but information. MIT physicists have gone so far as to equate the universe to a computer simulation. And so Bob and I have done shows on this before Bob's passing, probably in the year up to his passing. We talked a lot about information and just how it pervades everything. And here's more evidence of it. And Fred, isn't it just about right that this physicist from Big Think over there goes to the, the simulation, the computer simulation, you know, wouldn't that be so convenient for everyone who God says is going to stand at the great white throne judgment? It wouldn't it be convenient for them if this was all just a simulation, <laughs> right? And they don't have to be held responsible for anything. And now you mentioned, you wonder how that's going to work. You're right. At the great white throne judgment, these MIT physicists, you know, you're just a simulation. Uh, I right? just don't <laughs> see them saying that. I, I think they're going to somehow gonna know be- this is real. <laughs> Yeah, huh? Oh, yep. they're going to be running for the multiverse, but they're going to find out there's no door. There's there's no door to the multiverse. There's no door out of the judgment is what they're going to find out. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I, yep. Fred, you, you mentioned Big Think, and I was astonished to hear that, that the website Big Think, by the way, if you go online regularly, it's one of these news feed items. Like, I have a Yahoo account, and if I go to Yahoo, this... Big Think gets a story pushed into my feed regularly. So it's it's one of these websites that is an appeal to authority and an appeal to science that's pushed in front of a lot of people all the time by big tech. 
you mentioned that they actually said at bigthink.com, some things appear to transcend space-time. I have an article, Fred, that I got pushed into my feed over the holidays from bigthink.com, and the title of the article caught my eye because it was the title was The Real Reason You Can't Go Faster Than the Speed of Light, hmm. which if you've been listening to what Fred's been talking about with quantum entanglement, it appears that the information between two particles can go faster than the speed of light. So, Fred, I don't know about me. I don't know about you. I don't know about my car going faster <laughs> than the speed of light. So maybe they have a point here that I can't, or at least I can't right now. But let me just read from the article, Fred, that was pushed into my newsfeed and the newsfeed of, of probably millions and millions of other people. The scientists at Big Think, they say even the most informed science enthusiasts often have wrong understanding. Now, let's stop right there, because that I agree hmm, with. I'm going to yes. circle that part. Often have They can often be wrong. Um, they say you cannot go faster than 186,000 miles per second. And, and now they use the word you, and so I can't argue with that because I can't. Um, <laughs> but we're, we're talking about quantum entanglement. They say to understand why you can't go faster than the speed of light requires that we learn from Einstein. Our common experience ah. tells us that space and time are different things. But Einstein realized there is a single thing called space-time. And Fred, you just talked about big things saying it appears with quantum mechanics that some things transcend space-time. Yes. And, and, by, and by the way, space-time is one word. Yes. And we're going to see there's obviously a motivation for Einstein to oppose quantum mechanics because it mm -hmm. flies in the face it does it, it flies in the face of his theory of general relativity whether or not you want to admit it or not and we've got creationist friends that are brilliant people and they they believe that it doesn't but at the very yeah. least this mm -hmm. is a problem and it needs to be acknowledged you know why was einstein so against it because he was famous by the time this stuff started coming out about quantum mechanics oh yeah and he was oh, well yeah. known for his theory you know his theory of relativity wasn't super popular at first well then the, you know the world started accepting it and this was a challenge to something that made him famous and you know i can't prove that because of his bias for his theory it caused him to be biased against quantum mechanics but i think just common sense says a pretty good case can be made for that we get into that later in the article that I yeah. had prepared for uh, the Foundations magazine. I'm not sure when that's going to appear, by the way, but I think it's going to be in the next issue, if not you know, one of the next issues this year. We've actually moved that thing to a quarterly newsletter. Well, hopefully, Fred, I could get my hands on the next issue, and especially the issue that has your article. But speaking of space-time, <laughs> we're actually running, we're running out of space-time, Fred. But now we can't leave this. We have to come back on this. We have to talk a little bit more about space-time. We've got a lot more to say about quantum entanglement. But for everyone out there, you can go to realscienceradio.org. Check out the second edition of the plot that's now available. Go in and sponsor a show. Help keep us on the air. And... Lord willing, come back with us next week and we will wrap this up all about space-time and quantum entanglement.
That's right. And, you know, for the listening audience, for those of you who've been listening to us for a long time, we at Real Science Radio do not believe God is outside of time. And so we're going to get more into this issue of what we mean by, you know, when they say that quantum mechanics transcend space-time, there's a part of that that's true, but you're going to find out more details on this. We don't think God transcends space-time. Information transcends Einstein's equation E equals MC squared, and we're going to get more into that on the next show. Yes, I just want to make it clear, Fred, that I was using the term space-time tongue firmly in cheek. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so obviously we can't finish quantum entanglement in this show, but we promise we'll be able to wrap this up in a part three, even though it's really kind of dug, it's really part two next week because we never got to quantum entanglement in part one. (laughs) Well... But that's the fun of Real Science Radio. There's so much to talk about with God's creation and just things in the news, and it's it's a lot of fun. Our audience is great. We get comments from all over the country and even outside of the United States, and we just thank our audience for putting up with us, but they know that we like to we'll go off on rabbit trails here and there because there's so many wonderful things to talk about when promoting the truth of Genesis which is so important because, you know, we mentioned earlier in the show with the public education people are getting. Yeah. Really, a lot of time is dedicated in the public schools to attacking Genesis, the truth of Genesis. That's right. Including the truth of marriage, you know, man Mm -hmm. and woman at the time of creation. It's not Adam and Steve, people. It's Adam and Eve. That's right. Oh, Fred, I am honored that you would have me on to do the rabbit trails and the main topic. And to get to the bottom of it all, and I look forward to getting together again as soon as possible to do this all again and keep going forward. And likewise, one last thing, Doug, before we end the show, and again, we're out of time, but I'm looking forward to getting to really what's part two next week at Quantum Entanglement, even though we're supposed to start it the first show of the year. I want to share a story from last year. And this story actually starts a few years ago when one of the friends I watched the Broncos game with, which, you know, that's been a painful experience to say the least. Yeah, glad the season's over. I hate to say it. But anyways, he had some coffee that I tried, and I really liked it. I'm like, man, this thing's great. And he gave me the name of the coffee company, and I've ordered it ever since. So then last summer, I'm at the CMI conference in Myrtle Beach. And I was talking with a gentleman and his son during lunch, and he mentioned that he owned a coffee brewing company in Wisconsin. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. He then mentioned that that it was Door County Coffee out of Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. I'm like, I was floored because this is the exact same awesome coffee company. (laughs) It's the same one. I couldn't believe it. I mean, talk about a small world. And apparently I embarrassed myself because I must have jumped out of my chair and I spilt probably the coffee that I was drinking. And, <laughs> and at least this is the account of Ryan and Abby. They're like, Dad, you kind of you know overreacted. <laughs> but anyways, I'm like, wow, I can't believe it. You're, you're the guys who make this coffee I love. And so they were really fun to talk to. And they weren't aware of Real Science Radio. And I told them you know, what I did, you know, host a Real Science Radio. Well, anyways, they started listening to the show, and I didn't know this until I got a letter from the owner, from the guy I met at Myrtle Beach. He sent me a letter over Christmas, and he included with the letter a coffee package. It's called the 12 Days of Coffee, and each day you open up a different coffee, and it's, nice. you know, it's worth an entire pot of coffee that it'll brew, and all these different ones like Door County Christmas Coffee, 
Jingle Bell Coffee. I'm, re- I'm forgetting some of the names. White Christmas Coffee. And they're fantastic. Oh, my goodness. So he included a letter with it and about how him and his son enjoy listening to the show. And they mentioned the Do Dogs Go to Heaven show, Doug, which I thought uh-huh. was great. See? And they think dogs go to heaven, and that's fine. They could easily be right. And he provided some arguments that I think they're good arguments. So anyways, I wanted to give a shout out to these guys, and it's Doug Wilson Sr. He's the owner, and his son Conrad, he's a fellow engineer. I believe he was in the engineering industry, and then now he serves as their plant engineer at this company. And again, the coffee was fantastic. I highly recommend it. And I actually, I'm doing this with sincerity. I'm not some fake guy saying, promoting some product because I have to because they're paying me. No, they're not actually paying. <laughs> they don't even know I'm doing this. And I can say with sincerity that I don't, I don't have to act like I like the coffee because I really did. It was really, really good stuff. Well, so. that's a, it's a great story, Fred. And I want to be clear with everyone. We are not dogmatic about any theory <laughs> about dogs or other pets going to heaven. And I also love coffee. In fact, I'm going to go check them out. I believe that you can check them out at DoorCountyCoffee.com. Not to, not to give a plug for them. Oh yeah, I, I want to give a plug for them. Yeah, I'm not great with my R's, but you know, so D O O R. I'll spell it out: Door County Coffee, and you'll find it right away. They've got really oh, good yeah. stuff there, and their tea is really good too. I ordered their hot tea, but their coffee's fantastic. So I'm gonna sign up. I'm gonna go get some. We love coffee, and I love doing Real Science Radio with you, Fred. I look forward to it. Should the Lord Terry, we'll get together next week. Indeed we shall. And so for you, Doug McBurney, this is Fred Williams, host of Real Science Radio. May God bless you. Intelligent design and DNA. Scholars can't explain it all the way. Get ready to be awed by the handiwork of God. Tune into Real Science Radio. Turn up the Real Science Radio. Talking about.